This is the Ministers of the New Covenant radio broadcast. We come to you in the name of Yeshua the Messiah, the Son of the Most High Yahweh. Tune in each week to hear teachings directly from Scripture, focused upon believing in the Father, His Son, and the holy and righteous law of our Creator. At the end of this broadcast, we will give you the web address whereby you may contact us for further scriptural information. Well, good evening to everyone out there listening tonight. It's good to be back with you, and it's great to be back again tonight to teach a bit further on who Yeshua really is. If you missed last week's broadcast, you can visit our website at ministersnewcovenant.org. That's ministersnewcovenant.org. And here you'll be able to find the recording on the sermon section of the site. It'll be sermon number 370, titled The Son of the Living God. Last week I took some time to talk about why I do not believe that Yeshua is Yahweh. The scriptures do not teach this. The scriptures do not teach that Yahweh wrapped himself in a robe of flesh or that the Son was just a suitcase of sorts. The scriptures do not teach that Yahweh is the Messiah. All of these are nothing short of false, erroneous traditions of men. What the scriptures do teach over and over and over again is that Yahweh has a son, a unique son. The Bible teaches us in the clearest manner possible that Yeshua the Messiah is the son of Yahweh, the son of the living God. Did you know that it does not honor Yahweh to place Yeshua in the position of the Most High? Remember, we learned last week that Yeshua is the Son of the Most High. And you'll read that in Luke one thirty-two. Luke one seventy-six calls John the Baptist a prophet of the Most High. And, of course, this means that John is not the Most High, but a prophet of the Most High. Likewise, Luke one thirty-two teaches that Yeshua is not the Most High, but rather the Son of the Most High. And to place Yeshua in the position of the Most High, it dishonors Yahweh because Yahweh alone deserves the glory, honor, and praise as being the Most High Creator of the universe. Yeshua does deserve honor and glory as well, but only as the Son of Yahweh, not as Yahweh himself, as so many people in the church world believe. The Apostle Paul talks about the headship that Yahweh has over Yeshua in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 3 where he tells us that the head of the woman is the man, and the head of man is Christ. Bible students know that in a marriage, the husband takes the lead role. Now, this doesn't mean that the woman isn't precious or beautiful. It doesn't mean she's unworthy of honor, but it does mean that she is to submit to her husband as the spiritual leader in the home. Likewise, the Messiah, Yeshua, is the head of man. He is my head. This doesn't mean that men are not special as well, but it does mean that us men must submit to Yeshua as our spiritual head. We are not equal to him. Now, these concepts are not difficult to follow for anyone, but Paul does not stop here, and it's his next comment that people just do not like to hear or believe. He goes on in the same verse, 1 Corinthians 11 verse 3, to say that the head of the Messiah, Yeshua, is God or Yahweh. Now, once again, just as I explained with women and men, this doesn't mean that Yeshua is not special or precious. Remember, Yeshua is the head of every man. But what it does mean is that Yeshua is up under the authority or headship of Father Yahweh. 
This means that there is no way possible that he can be Yahweh. Yeshua tells us himself that he is not as great as his father. In John 14, 28, Yeshua tells his disciples, You have heard me tell you I am going away and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced that I am going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. Now, I don't know how this could be any clearer. Yeshua says, My Father is greater than I. The word greater is used elsewhere by Yeshua to speak of those who are greatest in the kingdom or the temple being greater than the gold of the temple. People have told me, yes, Matthew, but don't you believe Yeshua is great? And my answer to that question is, of course I believe Yeshua is great, but I believe his father is greater than he, John 14, 28. Any power and authority that Yeshua has is only because Yahweh has given it to him. I remember growing up as a young boy talking to a oneness Pentecostal preacher about this subject, and he quoted to me Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, where Yeshua says, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. This preacher then explained that if Yeshua is not God, then that means Yeshua has all power, but God doesn't. Well, the first time I heard that, I thought to myself, well, I guess that makes sense, but I missed a vital point that was right there in the verse, and you might have missed it too. Notice that Yeshua says in this verse, all power is given to me. See, Yahweh has all power, but Yahweh can delegate or hand over his power to another if he so chooses. This does not mean that Yahweh ceases to have power. It only means that he has chosen to bless someone else with his power. And in this case, he gave his power over to his son. Even here, it does not mean that the son becomes equal with him. For instance, consider Paul writing in 1 Corinthians 15, 27, where he writes, For God has put everything under his feet, but when it says everything is put under him, it is obvious that he who puts everything under him is the exception. See, Paul is telling us here that Yahweh has placed everything under the authority of Yeshua. Paul goes on to explain that it should be obvious to the reader that when he says everything, this excludes Yahweh who put everything under Yeshua. Seeing that Yahweh is the one who placed all things under the authority of Yeshua, giving Yeshua all authority, as Matthew 28, 18 says, then Yahweh himself would still be above Yeshua in authority because he's the one that placed all things under Yeshua. And Paul goes on to speak of this in 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty-eight, where he writes, And when everything is subject to Messiah, then the Son himself will be subject to the one who subjected everything to him so that Yahweh may be all in all. See, while everything is subjected to Yeshua, Yeshua himself is subjected to Yahweh. Now, I want you to think about this with me for just a second. The first part of 1 Corinthians 15, 28 says, when everything is subject to Messiah. The word subject here is hupotasso in the Greek, and it carries with it the meaning of subordination or to be under obedience to. When something is subject to you, that means it, he, or she is subordinate to you. Well, the same way the text says all things are subject to Yeshua, the text goes on to say that Yeshua is subject to Yahweh. 
Yeshua is subordinate to Yahweh. He is under the headship of Yahweh, and he is not co-equal with Yahweh, whether in function or nature. See, the Son is subject to the Father. The Son is separate from the Father. This is why earlier in 1 Corinthians 15, 24, it speaks of Yeshua handing the kingdom over to God the Father. Now, surely he's not handing the kingdom over to himself, is he? Well, of course not. He's handing the kingdom over to his God, Yahweh, the ultimate authority in the universe. Did you know that Yahweh is the God of Yeshua? Yeshua has a God that he serves and worships. Just like you and I serve and worship Yahweh as the one God of Israel, so also Yeshua serves and worships Yahweh as the one God of Israel. In Matthew 27, 46, when Yeshua was dying on the torture stake, he cried out to Yahweh saying this, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, who was he talking to? Well, he was talking to Yahweh, his God. In John 20, 17, Yeshua is speaking to Mary Magdalene after he has been resurrected to his glorified body. He tells her there, Don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. See, just like Yahweh is Mary's God and Father, Yahweh is also Yeshua's God and Father. And Yeshua calls Yahweh my God four times in Revelation chapter 3 verse 12. He says this, To the victor I will make him a pillar in the sanctuary of my God, and he will never go out again. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God. So if Yahweh is not the God of Yeshua, then why does Yeshua keep calling Yahweh my God? Well, Paul tells us that Yahweh is the God of Yeshua. In Ephesians 1.17, Paul writes, I pray that the God of our Master, Yeshua the Messiah, the glorious Father, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Uh, notice here, Yahweh is again called the God of Yeshua the Messiah, and then Paul calls Yahweh the glorious Father. See, if Yahweh is Yeshua's God, then this has to mean that Yeshua is not the one God. Do you know who he is? He is the son of the one God. And this is why Yeshua says in John 14 verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Take your Bible and open it up to the book of Mark chapter 12 beginning at verse 28. What we have here is a scribe that comes up to Yeshua and asks him a question. He asks him this, Yeshua, what's the most important commandment in the law or the Torah? Yeshua responds by quoting what is known in Hebrew as the Shema. And this is the passage found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, where we read, Hear, O Israel, Yahweh our God, Yahweh is one. Uh, ponder upon this. Yeshua quotes the Shema to this scribe. See, Yeshua believes in the Shema. He believes in Yahweh. He believes that Yahweh is one. Yeshua is not talking about himself here. He's talking about his God and his Father. And Yeshua goes on to say that with this greatest commandment, you must love Yahweh with everything and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. But the scribe then responds to Yeshua in Mark 12 verse 32 by saying this, You are right, teacher. You have correctly said that he is one and there is no one else except him. 
Now, the scribe did not believe that Yeshua, the one standing in front of him, was Yahweh. And catch this, Yeshua agreed with the scribe on who Yahweh was. Both Yeshua and the scribe were in agreements on the most important commandment in the entire Torah. The Apostle Paul teaches us also about how Yeshua is separate from the one God in 1 Timothy 2 verse 5. We read here, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Messiah, Yeshua. Now I want you to notice first that Paul makes a declaration about there being only one God, and I believe this with all of my heart, as it aligns perfectly with Deuteronomy 6 verse 4. Paul then goes on to write about there being one mediator between God, that is the one God, and men. Now the men here mentioned are in need of a mediator. So this means that these men, in the plural, constitute sinful humanity. So what we have are three categories. We have the one God, then we have the one mediator, and then we have sinful humanity. And we must not confuse the three categories. The one God is not the one mediator, and the one mediator is not the one God. Likewise, neither of these two are the sinful humanity. See, the word mediator means a go-between or one who intervenes between two for the purpose of reconciliation. Anytime you have a mediator, they mediate between two parties. Yahweh, the one God, cannot have fellowship with humanity because humanity has fallen short of his perfect holy standard, his law. And what takes place is that the mediator comes in between the two, making reconciliation with his perfect life, his sacrificial substitute death, and his victorious resurrection to immortality. So Yeshua mediates for us to the one God. Clearly then, Yeshua is not the one God. Yeshua tells us this himself in John 17, 3, when he is praying to his Father. And let me center on that just a bit first before I get into John 17, 3. Prayer is man speaking to God. Prayer is not God speaking to God or man speaking to man or a man speaking to himself. When Yeshua prayed, he wasn't throwing his voice or performing a ventriloquist act. He was really talking to his God and Father whom he loved. Do you remember when he prayed to his father in the Garden of Gethsemane? He told his father, if it is at all possible, please let this cup pass from me. But nonetheless, not my will, but thine be done. And what we have here is two wills or two minds, two thought patterns going on. There is no possible way that Yeshua could be Yahweh here. For he prays, not his own will be done, but his father's will be done. Let's go back to John 17, 3, where Yeshua is praying to his Father. And he says this, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Yeshua the Messiah. Uh, do you see here who Yeshua identifies as the only true God? The only true God is the God Yeshua is praying to. Yeshua is not the only true God of this verse. Yeshua is the one sent by the only true God. John thirteen sixteen says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. Now, I have been told that this verse proves Yeshua must be God because you have to have a knowledge of Yeshua in order to be saved or have eternal life. And 
What that is, is nothing but eisegesis, reading into the text something the text does not say. All we know from this text is that you do have to believe in Yeshua to have eternal life. But where does the text say that he is the one God? Well, it doesn't. It rather says the same thing Yeshua spoke 2,000 years ago. He is the one sent by the only true God. And yes, Yahweh demands that you believe in the one he sent. Yahweh commands you to believe in his son for salvation. If you don't believe Yeshua is the son of Yahweh, you will not be saved. This is part of what John 17 verse 3 is teaching. See, to carry the title Son of God in Scripture automatically denotes that you have an origin. And it also denotes that Yahweh has caused your existence in some fashion, literally. For example, many people are not aware of the fact that Adam is called the Son of God. But he is in Luke 3.38. Luke 3 gives a long list of genealogy where certain men are referred to as sons of their fathers. For example, Luke 3.37-38 reads, Canaan, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. Now here Canaan is the son of Enos, Enos is the son of Seth, and Seth is the son of Adam. But who is Adam the son of? Who fathered Adam? Who caused Adam to come into existence? Well, if you've read Genesis, then you know that it is Almighty Yahweh. Adam is the son of Yahweh. Because Yahweh directly created Adam. Now, does Adam being termed the son of God somehow mean that he is God? Is the term son of God some kind of title of divinity that carries along with it the sharing in the nature of the one God? Well, no. For instance, angels are called sons of God in Genesis 6 and Job 38. And even born-again believers are called sons of God in Romans 8, 14 and 19 seeing that Yahweh has birthed these believers spiritually. See, always, without exception, the term Son of God is applied to beings whom Yahweh has caused their existence in a special way. And this goes for Yeshua. As I talked about last week, Yahweh's spirit overshadowed Miriam, Luke 1, 34-35, and it was for this reason that he was called the Son of God. Yeshua is also called the Lamb of God by John the Baptist in John 1.29. Being the Lamb of God obviously means you're not God. Revelation 7 verse 10 tells us this. Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. Notice we have God and then we have the Lamb of God. Clearly two separate beings in this verse. Yahweh Almighty is never ever called the Lamb. Yahweh is the one God, and Yeshua is the Lamb of God. If Yeshua is really Yahweh, then wouldn't you agree that he should know everything? Of course we know that Yahweh knows everything. Scholars call this omniscience, the knowledge of all things. But did you know that Yeshua said himself that he did not know the day or the hour that he would return? You can find this if you flip your Bible open to Mark 13, 32. Where Yeshua says, now concerning that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven, nor the Son, except the Father. Yeshua begins by giving us a blanket statement that no one knows the day or hour of his return. Now, you've got a lot of false prophets on TV and radio today that waste the time Yahweh has graciously given them trying to figure out when Yeshua is coming back. You've got people like Yisra Hawkins, Harold Camping, trying to predict the second coming and claiming that they do know the day when you have Yeshua plainly telling us no one knows. 
Let me get back to Mark 13, 32. Yeshua says, no one knows. And then he continues by saying that the angels don't know either. Now, you've got to realize the angels are way more intelligent than you and I. They are immortal creatures, created immortal, with knowledge and power that is vast. We're talking about creatures like Michael and Gabriel in the book of Daniel. Michael and Gabriel don't know when Yeshua is returning. And then Yeshua tells us, nor the Son, except the Father. So he's telling us, no one knows when I'm coming back. The angels don't know. The Son doesn't know. Only the Father knows. I had one fellow try to tell me one time that the son here was the son of perdition. And I'm going to be nice when I say that this is one of the most ridiculous statements I have ever heard in my entire life. The flow of the passage is rank in order. You have no one, that's you and I. Then you have the angels, that's above you and I. Then you have the son who is above the angels. Then you have the father who is the ultimate authority. So this passage clearly teaches that the son does not know the day or the hour of his return. He sits at the right hand of Yahweh right now, waiting for Yahweh to give him the go-ahead. But you know what most people do with this text? They try and twist and turn and squeeze and do anything they can to teach that the son really does know or that you and I can know. People tell me, well, Matthew, that's just in his humanity. He doesn't know in his humanity, but he does know as God. Well, where's that in the text? Where in the world does this text say Yeshua just doesn't know in his humanity? And furthermore, if Yeshua could just flip a switch and really know the day and the hour, wasn't he just being deceptive here when he said, I don't know the day or the hour? Recognize, too, that it is as the son of the father that he doesn't know. It's as the son in higher rank than the angels that he doesn't know. Wouldn't it be much easier just to believe Yeshua was not Yahweh? Shouldn't you just believe that he is the son of Yahweh, the son of the Most High, just like the Bible says, and that he really doesn't know the day or the hour of his second coming? If you believe that, then you don't have to try and jump through hoops to make the text say something it doesn't say and twist Yahweh's word, you ought to be ashamed, men, preachers out there, you ought to be ashamed for trying to make a text say something the exact opposite of what it says. See, the Father and the Son are two beings, not one. Yahweh is the one God, and Yeshua is the Son of that one God. We do not have two gods, or two Yahwehs, or anything like that, but we do have here two beings that can communicate with one another. Yeshua can talk to Yahweh, and Yahweh can speak back to Yeshua. As Yeshua states in John eight seventeen through 18, Even in your law it is written that the witness of two men is valid. I am the one who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. See, he likens he and his Father to two witnesses. Not one witness, but two witnesses. As 2 John 1, verse 9 says, He that abides in the doctrine of the Messiah has both the Father, and the Son. You know, you have some people who will try and bypass these two beings by quoting a passage like John 10, verse 30, where Yeshua says, I and my Father are one. And usually what happens here is oneness people just quote this one verse and assume that Yeshua is talking about him and his Father being one person. And Trinitarians believe that the Father and the Son are two persons, but they still try to teach that John 10, verse 30, is speaking of one in nature, essence, or substance. But neither explanation is true. 
How do I know? I know by the context of the passage. If you'll back up just a few verses to John 10, 25, you'll see that Yeshua speaks of doing works in his Father's name. Now, Yeshua's Father's name is Yahweh. And according to the text, he performs his works in his Father's name. And these works testify about who he is. He is the Messiah sent by Yahweh. He goes on in verse 26 to tell the people he is talking to that they are not his sheep. And then he says in verse 27 through 28, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. So Yeshua is talking about his ability to keep the sheep safe. He then says in verse 29, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Notice here we have something I touched on earlier. Yeshua says his father has given him the sheep. Yahweh is the giver. Yeshua is the receiver. Yeshua speaks here in verse 29 of the father who is greater than all. Remember back to John 14, 28 where he says, My father is greater than I. He also talks about how no one can snatch the sheep out of his father's hand. He then says in John 10, 30, I and the father... We are one, and that is how it should be translated from the Greek. John 10 verse 30 has the plural pronoun we within it. It's similar in Greek construction to 1 Corinthians 3 verse 8, which literally reads, Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. What is Paul talking about here in 1 Corinthians? He is talking about fellow laborers in ministry. He has just got through talking about in verse 6 of 1 Corinthians 3 how that he planted, but Apollos watered, and then God gave the increase. So in verse 8, he is making the point that in ministry, the person who plants, Paul in this case, and waters the plant, Apollos in this case, are one. One in what? One in purpose, one in plan, and one in mind, and even in goal. And this is what John 10.30 is talking about. The Father and the Son are one in keeping the sheep. They have the same purpose and goal. The text has absolutely nothing to do with them being one in person or one in essence. Those concepts are foreign to the text. Well, there is so much more to say on this subject, but I'm going to have to stop right now for this broadcast. But I will pick this same subject back up again next week. I want to finish by telling you that I love you, and that's why I speak the way that I do on this broadcast tonight. I do not raise my voice because I hate you. I get excited and raise my voice because I'm angry at the devil, and I'm angry at false prophets, and I want you that are listening to know the truth because you have to believe in the one true God and his only begotten Son in order to be saved. If you don't really believe that Yahweh has a son that's separate from him, you will be damned for eternity. And I'm not talking about just speaking it or paying lip service to it. I'm not talking about you saying, well, yeah, sure, he's the son. No. You've got to believe it in your heart and your mind. You've got to believe it with everything inside of you. You have to believe that Yeshua is the son of Yahweh. You can't believe that Yeshua is Yahweh. 
You can't believe that the Son really is the Father. You can't believe that the Son of the Most High is really the Most High. And for the Trinitarians out there, you can't believe the Son is co-equal and co-eternal with the Father as it pertains to His nature, essence, or substance. No, you've got to believe that the Son is separate from Yahweh in order to be saved. And I want you to be in the kingdom. So if you don't believe that tonight, you need to repent and place your faith in the one true God whose name is Yahweh and in the Son of that one true God whose name is Yeshua. You must believe Yeshua is the Son of the living God. You've been listening to the Ministers of the New Covenant radio broadcast. Our website is ministersnewcovenant.org. That's ministersnewcovenant.org. Please visit our website where you will find hundreds of audio sermons as well as videos, books, and articles explaining various doctrines in the scriptural faith. For questions, you can also call 678-347-6240. That's 678-347-6240. Thanks for listening, and according to His will, may Yahweh richly bless.